I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to episode I love one. People, I love people. Oh, sorry. No, go, go right ahead. What were you, no, I'm just, you go. Welcome to episode 137 of Cowboys Right for Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield. As always, I'm joined by Philip Slavin. How's it going, man? JP, uh, we're recording this on Sunday. We had daylight saving time. And I've come to the conclusion that daylight saving time is only fun for like young, single individuals who don't work weekends. For everybody else, it sucks. Um, I have a nine-month-old. We spent all of last week preparing her for time change so that she wouldn't wake up at 5 a.m. Uh, it mostly worked. She woke up at 5, we fed her, put her back to bed, she slept for another hour. And uh, yeah, so that was nice. But other than that, like, yeah, it doesn't, it, it doesn't, it doesn't do me any good. It just means I'm up earlier. Oh, I don't yeah. like it. Yeah, all it did was really confuse me when I woke up this morning. Like, I felt like I had slept really well and it was 5.30 and I was very confused. Uh, but really it was just because we went back in our, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of time change either way. I think it's really, really stupid. Why do we? Why do we still do this? Like, I know. I'm wondering the same thing. Yeah. Like I, I get it a long time ago. I guess when like what farm like when farming was really huge, but it doesn't make sense right now. Like why? No. Nah. Just stop it. Nah. Nah. All right. Well, we have another win to talk about, and Oklahoma State's going bowling for the 14th year in a row, beating TCU yesterday, 34-27. At times, Oklahoma State really dominated this game, both offensively and defensively, and then they kind of let it slip, and then they found a way to get back. So inconsistency for sure at times but a win is a win nonetheless and we're going to a bowl game and that that matters and that's something that should not be taken for granted i don't care which game which bowl game it is it does matter oh it absolutely does like i i get that expectations for where oklahoma state should be are high and that's fair uh, that those are these those are the expectations that have been set i think those are gundy's expectations for this program as well so no one's no one should be angry when fans are, you know, want to win nine and ten games a year and they don't get there. That's fine. But don't discount going to a bowl game at all. Like at all. Do you do you know how many teams don't have a fourteen Texas doesn't have a streak like this? No. In fact, I I looked it up yesterday. I'm pretty sure OSU is either is like sixth currently in active bowl streaks. That's sixth. pretty good. Yeah, this is we're talking about Oklahoma State, okay? And and, and I'm just waiting for at at some point in, in the very near future, Gundy is going to have more bowl appearances than the OSU program had without him. Yeah, I forget what the number is. I've been waiting for. I think we're still like two more years away. But at by the time Gundy retires, think about this for a second. Mike Gundy will have more bowl appearances, and I, oh, this is going to happen unless he just retires at the end of the year. He will have more bowl appearances at Oklahoma State than Oklahoma State had the entire rest of its existence before he took over. And that's wild to think about. <laughs> and it shows I, what he's been able to insane. do for program. Yeah. Man. Well, so what was your, like, do you have a couple kind of overarching takeaways from this game? I have a few, but I'll, I'll let you go ahead and start this one off. I mean, you started off well. It, it was a it was a weird game because it felt like for a quarter and a half in the first half, OSU dominated this game. Like the score was never quite there, but it really felt offensively, especially defensively, they dominated this game. And then those last like five, six minutes of the second quarter, TCU back-to-back touchdowns, ties it up, going to have tied. And it was really frustrating and weird to feel like OSU had played so well only to be back at essentially square one. Um, second half felt very similar. OSU dominated the third quarter they, they played really well um got up and you're forcing turnovers you're getting three and outs the offense is getting big plays and you got to that fourth quarter and they had that 10 point lead that a 14 point lead it came back it just it felt like it was about to happen again and we we're gonna get tied and, and now full credit to oklahoma state they did what they needed to do and they got the w um 
it's a weird win. Like it's a very satisfying win, but man, it's a, it was a, it was at times a very frustrating game. And I, I know, look, teams are going to go back and forth. It's a close game from a, from an outsider perspective. That's a fun game to watch where teams kind of go back and forth, and it's close, and it's not a blowout like so many games were Saturday morning. But and I don't mean to complain about a win, but there were there were just moments that were very frustrating. And credit to TCU, they. They, they took the opportunities when they could, and, and they made some plays. They're not a terrible team, um, but it just – I'll take it from this. This team continues to show growth each and every week. I still stand by that Baylor game was one of their better performances. They just had a complete and total collapse in the fourth quarter. If you just stop watching that game for three quarters, that was a good game for Oklahoma State. Right. Good game last week. Good game this week. Another two weeks – this is not a team that's going to go dominate anybody, but this is a team that can – Win, and eight eight wins is still on the table. We I picked eight and four to begin the season. It's still on the table now. I'm feeling really happy about that. And I just, it's growth, and I'm going to take it that way. I'm not going to be frustrated by a win. I'm going to look at this win and go, this is a team that continues to grow and improve each week, and and it's going to you know, growth has setbacks. You know that, that's the thing about growth, is in, improvement isn't just perfectly straight linear line. It it tends to be a little wibbly wobbly, so. The wibbles and wobbles are frustrating, but the fact that the the line is still moving upward is very, very positive. Yeah, I think this this game I think showed a lot about what Oklahoma State, you know, it, where they're at right now, and the fact that they're finding ways to win games when they haven't played. They can't quite put together a full sixty minutes of consistent football. I think tells you right now how talented some of the guys are on this team, and the develop. And if they're winning like that now, then you know they're going to be able to put together a full sixty minutes here in the near future. Offensively, I loved the play calling in the first quarter. Uh, I thought Sean Gleason had a great game plan. And even though we had a field goal in that first drive, you really felt like they're starting to open things up a little bit. Spencer's really starting to figure things out. My favorite thing about the offense yesterday was utilizing Spencer Sanders in the run game. And he was used effectively in the run game as well, actually allowing him to use his legs on zone replays, which takes pressure off Chuba. And even though Sanders obviously can run, the defensive end was crashing on Chuba the entire time and allowing Sanders to get, you know, chunk runs, chunk run after chunk run. And he only threw the ball 15 times. Um, But I really didn't, I wasn't worried about him throwing the ball, if that makes sense. Like he put the ball where it needed to be. And even his incomplete passes were, they, they weren't complete, you know, duds of throws or anything like that. I'm not even really worried about the interception because he made the right read. It was just that half second, once again, that we, we've seen before, but he didn't really, he didn't severely underthrow the ball. The, defend, the defender made a good play. You, you move on from there. You knew he probably wasn't going to play a full clean game, but overall, I thought he played well. Some of his throws down the field yesterday were awesome. The, the throw to Dylan Soner in the corner of the end zone was ridiculous that was his best throw all year it's not remotely close and stoner made a fantastic play as well and for him to take over as now essentially the number one receiver taking over where tylen wallace was in this offense uh, is going to be interesting uh he's obviously a talented receiver we've mostly seen him in the slot for his whole career but he showed yesterday he can play outside he can play with some of the corners in this league and i'm interested to see how he develops in that role moving forward so let's talk about spencer for a minute because i I think there's a lot of praise to him. Um, that first touchdown pass to Stoner was impressive. Yes. Because, and I tweeted this during the game, you know, four weeks ago, that that game, that wouldn't have happened. He either would have tried to run, just take it off and run, and gotten five or six yards, or he would have gotten sacked and fumbled the ball. His, his, his awareness of what's going on around him is getting much better. Um, the fact that he stopped got his feet planted, and tossed that that pass to Stoner was great. That they got that touchdown. That that was that's one of the best like growth plays I've seen from him. He has looked better. As he still makes mistakes. That interception was rough. Um, and they had another one where I think he almost got picked off in a similar situation of a deep pass. It was like, I don't love it. But for the most part, he played well. He played within his box. You know, they didn't ask him to do a ton. They asked him to run, and the quarterback run was effective. He only threw the ball 15 times, which is like I think PFP had it as like the fifth fewest passes that in a in a Mike Gundy era in a game. By the way, they're like five and zero in all of those, which is Gundy loves to run the ball. Yep, and that's why. But for the most part, I thought he was he was very successful, except for one thing, and this is the concern that I have moving forward. This is not. Um, 
I don't I don't have the stats on targets for the whole game. I, I don't if there if somebody knows where to find like targets like it's for the NFL you can find it for college I don't know where but I did find this one and it's that in the first half Sanders threw the ball eight times six of those times Stoner was his target Stoner caught three passes in the first half it, it worked out for them but here's the concern with Tylen out your hope is that Stoner will start spreading the ball out more. Sanders, the problem is Sanders is going to start spreading the ball out more. Instead, he's just replaced who his has a hard time getting off of his first read. First read is, and now it's Stoner. And I, this is not a knock on Stoner, but Stoner ain't Tylen Wallace. It's okay to kind of rely on a certain guy when you have Tylen Wallace. This is a talented receiving core. I know people like to think it's not as good. Part of that has to do more with Sanders than it has to do with the receiving core. But this is a talented receiving core with guys who can make plays. You have to use them all. Like you, he's gonna. I don't know what the coaching staff needs to do. I don't know if they need to process through the idea of like your first read on these design plays where his first read changes, so it forces him to look around the different guys and process reads. Because I like Dylan Stoner. I do. He's a really nice piece. Dylan Stoner is. That can't be the go-to every time. Because as we've seen, the the play that was a dime, it was a beautiful pass, and Stoner just didn't come up with it. I understand the TCU defender was there. If you watched the replay, Stoner just had it, should have caught that pass um, right down the sideline. I like Stoner. He's not Tylen Wallace. There's no one on this team I want to be a, that's, that's, I'm going to go to him every time. You're going to have to spread the ball out. He's going to have to work on it. They have two weeks to do so before they face Kansas. And I know, I mean, Kansas isn't, you know, ah, but it, their offense is is playing better. I know what happened against Kansas State, but they've got to work on it. That's what he's got to work on. They worked on him holding the ball, controlling the ball, not running around and fumbling. He's looked very good the last two games of of keeping a hang on to the ball, um, even when under pressure, not holding the ball the right way so he doesn't lose it. The next thing they had to focus on is he's got to get off of whoever his comfort blanket is because stoner is not wallace and it's not a shot at stoner but i i don't want stoner to be his new wallace i will say this i think the fact that you lose your number one receiver on a wednesday and you have to to frankly get the game plan together and find a way to still be competent throwing the ball you you take that for this week and thankfully oklahoma state has the off week next week to prepare for Kansas, that get, that's going to give Spencer Sanders time to get in with some of these other receivers, work on rotations. I think I saw Elsie Greenwood in there really for the first time in really consistent play. Um, mm-hmm. There, there mm-hmm. were some other – Brayden, Brayden Johnson got the start on the other side. Um, you saw Jordan McRae rotate in. I don't think I saw C.J. Moore, but I think we're going to start to see more guys rotate in. But uh, for, is it, we said, So Tyrell Alexander also got an appearance. Okay, I didn't see him. him I, saw, Greenwood. I, I saw 80. I didn't see 10. Okay, good to know. But yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more guys start to rotate in, and I think over the next couple of weeks, we're going to. I would hope that in practice, he's starting to build some chemistry with these other guys because it's tough to replace what. I mean, it's impossible to impl- replace what Tylen Wallace meant to mm-hmm. that receiving core. Dylan Stoner stepped in very nicely, and I think he's going to still be a key and integral part of the receiving core. But I'm with you. I don't think he should be your number one read and then if nothing's there either still force a throw or run like there are other guys on this receiving court that are really good that catch Braden Johnson made yesterday was ridiculous and he's come on mm-hmm. strong the last few weeks obviously made just some big plays obviously with his elite speed I want to see Jordan McCray involved we saw Landon Wolf a little bit uh, I think he obviously he and Sanders have had good chemistry all year I, I think that we're going to see improvement and I mentioned this on the Periscope that I did on Thursday that or on Friday that I think as much as it sucks to lose a guy like Tylen Walls, this could be the best thing for Spencer Sanders' development because he doesn't have that safety blanket of the best receiver in the country. He has to get the ball off to other guys. And as much as it sucks to not have that guy in your offense, this could be really good for Sanders moving forward to get off of that read and find somebody else. I mean, this goes back to, I mean, part of the reason you stick with Spencer Sanders through all the down, all the all the turnovers, all the issues, all the growth is that he is the long term for Oklahoma State. He's the guy for the next, you know, next two seasons after this one. In theory, um, this opportunity, you can look at Thailand as an opportunity. You can. It's not a. It's not a great thing. You don't want that to happen. But here's an opportunity. 
through you know, you got your ball to play. The next three games and the bowl game are about him continuing to build chemistry with the other receivers. Because the only other we don't know if Trace if, if Tylen comes back next year or not. So let's operate under the idea that he's done. Okay. Um we can talk about that in a little bit if we want. Outside of that, you lose Jordan McRae. Everyone else in theory is back. Okay. Brandon Johnson is back. CJ Moore is here. Dylan Stoner is here. Um Landon Wolf is here. You've got other guys that are stepping up. I, I, this is an opportunity to really start to build the chemistry in games with those other players and build towards next season and the season after. Because so much of this season has really been about building towards 2020 and 2021. You want to have a good season this year. But this is another opportunity to build toward that. And now they're forced into a situation where they have to. And it it, it is a real opportunity for them to do so. I'm I'm excited to see what they work on these next two weeks to prepare for the last quarter of the season. But I, I, I'm going to view this as an opportunity moving forward because we have to um, more than I think we need to view it from now on as a, as a detriment or anything. Right. And as well, I have one more thought on Spencer Sanders. Did you see the video of him playing catch with the kid in the stands before the game? Adorbs. That that's awesome. Like I love stuff like that. You see that in baseball every once in a while where, you know, the guy will play catch with the kid in the stands as he's warming up. Like, that just tells me that he gets it. Like he just, he's, you know, he just under he knows, he, he just gets it. I don't know how to put it any other way, but I love seeing stuff like that. And for a, you know, a retro freshman to, to, you know, have that kind of mentality to me says a lot about uh, what the guys that Mike Gundy brings in and the guys that, uh, you know, play that way. I think, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. No, it is. I, he's a good kid. Um, I also love the shot after the, uh, after the Amendola field goal at the, to put them up 10 there at the end of the game, and they took the sideline shot of him, he saw that field goal in, and he just, like, you could just see the excitement on his face because he just, like, you let out a yell. And I, I think he's all in. He's all in. He's all on this team. He's all in on winning. I think he's a good kid. I've never had a problem with, with him, um, with personality. It's just it's just growth. Mm-hmm. And, and we're seeing that growth. And and I'm I'm excited for it. Pointing things out now is just about look. There there's still plenty of room for improvement, but that doesn't take away from how much better he is now compared to when Big Twelve plays started. Oh, no from doubt that, about it. From that Texas Tech game, like that was. If that's the low point of his career, I'm excited mm-hmm. because that means I mean, it's a low point. You've set the bar very low, but we've seen continued improvement, and I I am very excited with another idle week to see. The Texas Tech to Baylor game, take the fourth quarter out. We've talked about this. That Baylor, I thought he actually played fairly well in the Baylor game. He made some mistakes, but he was improved. And after that, he's improved against Iowa State. He's improved against TCU. Now we get another two weeks to practice and, and work on, on improvement yeah. before a three-game slate with Kansas at West Virginia and Oklahoma that – if he continues the progression, we're going to see a really talented kid out there who could maybe maybe be on par with what he looked like against Oregon State by the time deadline gets here. No doubt, and that would be big. Yeah, that would be that would be very big for this team because that's a a passing game that is a real threat. It's not something they've had as much this year, and that would be a, that that would be really good. Yes. So let's go to his his battery mate there in the backfield, Chuba Hubbard. God, I'm running out of superlatives and things to say with the, for this guy to describe how damn good he is. 223 yards yesterday, the first ever 200 yard rusher against the Gary Patterson defense. Just um, yeah, that that should say enough. But my goodness, also congratulations, Philip. Uh, I know you did your preseason predictions and you said a 1500 yard season for Chuba Hubbard. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. He's <clears throat> now at 16:04 with three se- with three games left. Well, four games left. Four oh four Coon Bowl that's right. eligible. I four forget games. I forget those those stats, you know, actually accumulate in the season. That's right. Uh, but yeah, no, that is but well done, sir. And uh he's only Thank gonna you. keep going up from here. Here's the funny thing about and at the time I felt good about that pick. But remember, Kendall Hunter is the only running back at Oklahoma State during the Gundy era to pass fifteen hundred yards. He had fifteen forty eight in twenty ten. Joseph Randall got close, Justice Hill got close, but nobody had passed fifteen. He's past fifteen with four games to go. Like that's that's nuts. <clears throat> I think like, I I said fifteen hundred plus. I thought he I I thought at there was a real chance for him to get into the sixteen seventeen hundred range. We're past that. Mm-hmm. We're at the. I will be shocked with four games to go if he doesn't hit two thousand. 
Yeah, like it, I, th- I think he. We're looking, and I think if he finishes with two thousand, he's second to Barry Sanders, and obviously he's he'd still be eight hundred and fifty yards away from first, which is just mind-boggling to think about. But that's, I mean, it, it's special what he does, and I mean, he he was still even before the two chunk runs he had, he was still effective in this game. And even on the short yardage push, he showed his strength, and he was turning no gain or one yard into four, or five, or six. Like yeah. it, it was, it was ridiculous what he was able to do. And even if he didn't have either of those runs, he probably still finishes under 100 yards. But you still feel good about his performance because they didn't run him a lot. Like I think he had 22 carries, which uh, well, 20 carries total. There we go. Yeah, I mean that's over 11 yards a carry, and it's it's ridiculous. And I think my. I do understand, and the point has been made, and it's a valid point. Most of his yards came on two plays. Yeah. <clears throat> you, 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 you can't act like he got 10 yards every carry. No. I get it. Uh, but he had 20 carries and he did it. Like, yeah. The, if he'd have had 30 carries and did this, you could poo-poo it a little bit. <clears throat> There's the yards per carry, but down a bit. But you can knock it was in that most of it was in two plays all you want. It still counts. Like it's yep. still there, and he, he's done it. It's not like it was a fluke thing. Like he he does this stuff, and when he gets out and open, you can't catch him. And trying to say, I'm seeing all sorts of arguments on Twitter, and you know, BFB uh, put up the the graphic that had him versus Jonathan Taylor, and you know, oh, big Big Ten defenses. I'm like, yeah, let's also compare Oklahoma State's offensive line to what to what Wisconsin has. Good God, all of their linemen are six six three thirty, and they've been playing together since they were like in middle school. It seems like. They put at least two in the NFL like every year. Yeah. Like their starting center is a returning all Big Ten. Like, I don't want to hear it. You want to compare defense and and also like I, yes, the, the Big Ten probably has some better defenses than the Big Twelve. Sure, they played Ohio State. Um, <clears throat> Wisconsin also plays in the division with like Iowa and, and Indiana and Illinois. And like, don't come at me about the Big Ten. If they played in the half with Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State and Michigan State, sure, we can have that conversation. They play in the easier division, by far easier division. Don't bring the the Big Ten defense at me when they also have a dominant offensive line like of Oklahoma State hasn't had since like 2011. I don't I don't want to hear it. I, I don't. Like, get that out of here. I mean, the, the fact that he's doing this with what has been a makeshift offensive line most of the season because of injuries, can you imagine what Chuba Hubbard would be doing behind the Wisconsin offensive line? <clears throat> this goes to my point of, I don't think he comes back, but goodness gracious, this offensive line this year has been one of the better ones I've had in a little while. And oh, I know it's no frustrating, doubt. but can I really wonder by next year, <clears throat> can Dickey have a better offensive line? Yeah, and I, th- I think because if next year's is improved, and you had a, you have a, and the other thing that's that's that that hurts his numbers is defenses load up to force Spencer Sanders to beat them. Mm-hmm. If you knew Spencer, if Spencer Sanders had an effective passing, like if the passing game was a dangerous thing that you had to account for as a defense, where you couldn't just load the box to stop Chuba, where you had to play to stop the pass. Can you imagine how many more big plays Chuba would have? Because there wouldn't be eight guys all down in there trying to stop him. Like that's the other thing that no one he's taking poo-pooing because it's a Big Twelve defense or poo-poo defense are trying to stop him mm-hmm. because they know that Spencer by himself can't. Like Spencer without Chuba, this is this goes back to the whole like Tylen's out and it's bad. If Chuba was out, we wouldn't win another game. No doubt. Period. No doubt. We about would it. not win another game. That's how important Chuba is to this team. But that's how good Chuba is. Teams are trying to stop him, and he's still breaking off these giant plays. If this was an effective, you put him on like 2011. Oh God. <laughs> that Blackman might not win the Blitnikov just because they'd be giving the ball to Chuba more than they'd be giving, throwing the ball to Blackman. Like, that's the thing about it. Like, stop trying to act like, stop acting about these things in these broad terms. When you get down to the specifics of it, yes, he gets a lot of carries. He's still his yard for carry is still insanely better than guys who aren't getting. Well, more attempts means you have more chance to break up big runs. He had 20 carries. They had two massive plays. That's pretty good. I'd so, say so. Let's not stop trying to find a way to poo-poo why he should be in New York. Is he, is he going to win the Heisman? No, God no. He, it's a quarterback award. It's the award that goes to the best quarterback on a playoff team. Yep. Period. That's what it is now. And the only way a running back's going to win it 
is if you run for Alabama and put up a thousand yards. That's mm-hmm. about it. Um, is Ch- but does Chuba is he having the kind of season that deserves to be like in New York, even if he finishes in fifth place? Yeah, yeah. If he puts up over two hundred, if he puts up two thousand yards, if he puts up two thousand yards this season, and I don't mean even the bowl. Forget the bowl game. Set the bowl game aside. By the end of the regular season, if he has two thousand yards, yeah, he deserves to be there. Yeah, it's, it's, like, I was sorry. also no doubt about it. Yeah, he's at six. So he's eighth all time Big Twelve or Oklahoma State. He needs two hundred and eighty three to pass Terry Miller for second place. Yeah, I'd say he's going to get that. He's not gonna be. He's not gonna catch Barry. Barry is twenty eight fifty. Which is again, that's just mind boggling. He's not. He's not on page for that. But in three games, can he get two hundred and eighty three yards? Better question is, I think he has it before Bedlam. Oh, I think so too. I think he's in. What? I'm gonna do some research here. The way Kansas State just ran on Kansas on Saturday. Again, defenses load up to stop the run, but uh, I feel good about Chuba. West Virginia. Like, I know they played well defensively against Baylor. Neil Brown is a hell of a coach. Uh, Baylor yeah. doesn't have Chuba. Like, no. Chuba is the best back every single Big 12 defense is going to face this year. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, Kansas ran for 342 yards yesterday. Kansas State? Kansas State, yeah. They, they yeah. ran for I, – I think I was, I was in between saying Kansas gave up 342 yards and Kansas State ran for Yeah, I got it. Yeah, it, it, do I think he might have another two hundred yard game? Yep. Is he yep. gonna get? Look, if if he gets, if he gets all he needs to get in second place after Kansas, shut it down. Yeah. Just just stop. Like he's he needs to be in New York. If he wants to be, here's the deal. Let's be blunt. He could go for one fifty the next two games. If he if he goes off against OU. And I mean goes off. Even if OSU loses the game. Let's say they lose a close game. But if he, because he did last year, if he goes off for 250 or something and three touchdowns against OU, that will be his New York Heisman invite-worthy performance. He's oh, yeah. got to – the last – most people nationally paid attention when they played Texas and he didn't have a good game. And so it's kind of taken – for it's set him back and had he had to build the momentum back up and build the momentum back up. If he can do it against – ranked Oklahoma in Bedlam at the last game of the regular season, I think he gets an invite because that will be the his Heisman moment. Even if they don't win, if he's over 2,000 yards on the season, has a huge game against OU, I'm going to – he's – if he has a bad game, well, congrats, nice season, move along. But if he has a big game against OU and they come up close – come up short i think i think he's got he has a a a better case than dobbins or taylor does because again man you got to take all the other if you want to include well they're going to get big 10 defense you need to put all the other intangibles around them too dobbins is playing on a on one of those dominant offenses in big 12 in, in college football this season and taylor runs behind one of the best offensive lines in the country like let's not just find the one thing to justify your argument. You got to take all the other stuff into account, boys and girls. Yeah. Um, I think that's all I have relatively on the offense. Before we get into the defense, we'll have a word from a sponsor. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, Phillips. So we saw a defense that I think played really well overall, forcing four turnovers uh, we had some fantastic performances overall. Well, what were some of your thoughts on what the defense brought on Saturday? So I'm working on my four quarters, and it'll be up either tonight, well, Sunday night or Monday morning. And here's my thing. Hey, the Blitz King is back. Finally. The Blitz King. 
Like I, I, I just did a T-shirt with with uh, Jim Knowles' face and a side like a at an angle crown that looks like a rap album cover. Yes, and just just for the Blitz King. We said when Jim Knowles got hired that this was going to be a three-year process. <clears throat> they had to rebuild the roster to fit his scheme. This roster was not built to run what he runs. <clears throat> Sorry. I, it's not there yet, and I'm not really ready to call it a success yet, just like I wasn't ready to call it a failure when, when they weren't playing well through sections of the season. And also, again, the offense deserved a lot of some of that flame. We are seeing signs that this is starting to click. Now, you can chalk up seven turnovers in two games to luck. Luck is part of turnovers. But I've, I've, I've said the concern with turnovers, and I've wondered if it is a matter of it's really hard to focus on forcing turnovers when you're still focused on learning the defense and learning on new ways, changing ways. Like, you're, you have a lot of young guys <clears throat> who are just trying to learn how to play college football and learn this defense and get up to speed. What, the, the, the forcing turnovers is that, is that last piece you put on top. It's not the first thing you do because the first thing you do is know how to know where how to be where you're supposed to be, know how to run this defense, know how to tackle properly, know all the basic things. Then we'll talk about the turnovers. Then we'll talk about getting interceptions, paying attention to those things because those are things you can pay attention when the rest of it comes naturally, right? Right. You don't learn to whistle before you know how to breathe. So I wonder is are the interceptions just two plays of, of getting lucky? Duggan, Duggan had some obvious miscommunications on Saturday that led to two huge interceptions. Um, and I mean, just like, like he was thrown into the OSU defender. That's not normal. Um, Purdy throwing three picks in one quarter, that's unusual. Like you could count all these interceptions and turnovers up to just being unusual and, and they're going to stop at the, maybe next week. Maybe we come back and we don't have more than a couple more turnovers the rest of the year. Maybe. Or maybe this defense is starting to figure it out and because they're far, starting to get it, because guys like Colby Harvell Peel and Malcolm Rodriguez and Agbang Miga and Trey Sterling. And maybe because a lot of these younger guys are starting to get it and have the defense down and understand what they're supposed to do, they're able to start working on things like forcing turnovers and and reading what they need to read to make those happen. Like Peel's been in position to get a turnover like all season and he's finally getting it. It's just it's finally clicking. He's finally able to make them happen. It makes me think like everything else, we're seeing progress. I'm not going to say if this defense is successful or not until next year. I, I want to see year three. Uh, I want to see it with a, a defensive line that's not completely new. Um, obviously, we'll have some issues at corner because they're going to lose some guys. But, man, I think it's starting to click. And if it is, I am bravo. Bravo. I'm very excited um, because I don't know the last time. It's 2013 was the last time we felt like this team could win games with defense. And for two weeks in a row, that's exactly what they've done. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of it has to do with, and what's been so impressive to me is they're actually forcing turnovers now, whether you can chalk that up to luck or not. It's something we haven't seen at all this season, and they found a way to get seven in the last two weeks. And get a, and Colby Harville-Peel has been at the forefront of nearly all of it. Uh, we felt like he's been good but not great most of the season. Um, the last two weeks, he has been fantastic. And the fact that you he he moved over and played Trey Sterling's spot on defense this week because Sterling was out, and they, Tanner McAllister came in and played really well. Um, and Malcolm Rodriguez is just he is what he is. He's fantastic. Ogbongbamiga again, great. They're finding ways to get pressure with three down linemen and blitzing three, and the, you know occasionally sending a linebacker. We we saw a couple all out blitzes yesterday, and I was very happy. Now, I screamed Blitz King multiple times when that happened. Uh, that was great. But overall, I mean, they kept Oklahoma State in the game. They were, they were able to get the ball back to the offense while the offense didn't do anything with it, which I think that, that was one of my biggest issues yesterday was mm-hmm. the fact that they got, the, they got four extra possessions and they got zero points out of them. So mm-hmm. that ball... No, no, they got one touchdown. Oh, they did get the one touchdown. Oh, that's right. That's Chuba's right. second big run. That's right. Reception. That's <clears> right. Okay. But the point stands, the first three turnovers, you got nil out of them. Not a single point. But I, I think we're, we're seeing, the, and I, you mentioned as well, I think the progress we're seeing with this defense is huge moving forward. You're obviously going to lose A.J. Green or Darius Williams, but you got guys in the pipeline that you think next year can make an impact. 
And I think, and with, you know, you're pretty much returning your entire defensive line. You're returning all your linebackers, and you're getting Calvin Bundage back next season. You add him into the mix with Ogbon Gamiga and Malcolm Rodriguez, and that's going to be fun. And then you still get Peel and Sterling and Bernard, who I thought Bernard played fantastic yesterday as well. And he has been a guy that's been, you know, kind of inconsistent as the year has gone. But man, yesterday he was great. After kind of being of the three guys, probably the lowest on the totem pole in terms of uh, the safeties. So we're seeing overall improvement from this team. It's weird to see an Oklahoma State defense win games for a team. It's just not something we've been accustomed to seeing because the offenses have been so electric that you can score 50 points, give up 40. It doesn't matter. You're winning the ball game. But Oklahoma State is finding ways to win games with their defense, and it's been it's been great to see. And able to force Max Duggan, who I think only had one interception coming into this game, into four turnovers is, is huge. And I, I got to make one point really quick. Um, I saw a tweet from Carson Cunningham talking about how well he thought Duggan played, and wow, you can play a freshman quarterback. He completed like 50% of his passes and had four turnovers. But sure, yeah, just just continue to drive some narrative that has been moot all season. But sure, yeah, go right ahead. Yeah, we're just <clears throat> I'll leave that one alone. Um, I, I just I had to bring it up because I'm like, that's so like, did you watch the four him? The, those turnovers were bad. <laughs> like it, 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 it's the things you, it's, it's things, things you get from playing a true freshman. Yes. Like I, I don't care. I, I really don't want to have this. This you want to die. If someone wants to die on that limb. Let them let them go ahead. It's exactly. fine. It's in the past. It doesn't change anything. We're we're here. If you know, it's. It's people who still try and bring up. No, we're not going there. Let's let's talk about this for a second. I had a thought while we were talking. And if you came into this game, we, we, Thailand got knocked out on Wednesday, and we fight on a Saturday. Trey Sterling and and Johnny Wilson got hurt on Wednesday as well, and we're out today. We're out for Saturday's game. And I mean, going into that game, you just you had an L written all over it. You lost your starting center. You lost one of your starting safeties. Your best your best wide receiver, one of the top wide receivers in the country. Is out for the year, and it kind of took me back to to 2009. You remember the game at Texas A&M, where it was official, Dez was done. Yes, I do and, remember that. And Kendall Hunter was out; he got injured. He was basically out for the rest of the year. And all this team with all this momentum beat Georgia open the season, lost that stupid Houston game, um, going around there to Texas A&M, and the team it just felt very like. Ugh. What was a promising season is just kind of falling apart. And they go on their road to AM and they win 36-31. And it was a game where just you could tell that team just kind of rallied around this what was a fan whereas the fans were just downtrodden with what was going on. The team rallied and won a game they they, they weren't supposed to. Yeah, like I I uh I think I said it when we were when my wife and I were going to the game, we're in the Uber and the guy that was driving, like I, I mentioned, because I just saw the tweet that Sterling and Wilson were out. And he goes, man, this this game probably isn't going to go too well. I said, you know, teams find a way to rally around guys when they go down, especially guys that are important. And I said yesterday that I thought, or on Friday, that on, on the Periscope, that I, think, I still had a feeling Oklahoma State was going to find a way to win the game for... Uh, for Tylen Walls. They were going to find a way to win it for Trey Sterling, for Johnny Wilson. Because those guys are so integral to what this team does that you f- you find ways to win those kind of emotional sort of games. And that's exactly what they did yesterday. And I think uh, it meant a lot to them when I believe I believe they said that Tylen came into, came into the locker room and kind of energized everybody at halftime. And I think that <clears> kind of <throat> went a long way. And I think if he... You know, shows up and you know he's in the locker room, he's on the sideline at games moving forward. I think I think that's going to do a lot for this team. Well, I just, it feels like when Oklahoma State comes into an emotional situation, they play well. They, they focus that and play well. And props for that, because I can go back to the 2011 Texas a It's always against Texas A&M. The 2011 Texas A&M game, you know, you, you're on the road in a, in a big game against top 10 A&M team. This was the, you know, they, they played that weird Tulsa game. It was the game where Glenn Spencer had lost his wife. He wasn't there to coach. It was a very emotional time. And they found a way to win. Now we can talk about the 2011 Iowa State game, which is emotional, and that's that's a whole different thing because that was that day. But generally speaking, when OSU 
is in situations like this, they find ways to rally and and perform. And props to Gundy and the coaching staff for for that because that's on a coaching staff. Like it's on yeah. players too. It's on the leaders on the team amongst the players stepping up and taking ownership and going out and executing. But it's also on having a program in place where when these kind of situations happen, the team responds positively. And it's those little intangible things that we don't want to talk about or give give Gundy credit for. But uh, I props to the team for and and shout out to Joe Wicklund. No, sorry, shout out to to, uh, to Coach Dickey. And shout out to the offensive line because you lost Johnny Wilson, and man, that offensive line looked good. They, they yeah, performed no doubt really, really well in that situation. Yeah, and so do you have? I'm pretty much out here. My fi- I just have one final thought here. I thought Tom Hutton yesterday was fantastic. He have, he they, had, have they announced like finalists for the Ray Guy Award yet? I don't believe so. I know they're I know they're doing like semifinals for most. Yeah, I don't think he's going to probably be in that this year, but moving forward, I think he's shown a lot of promise. He's starting to go away. I think what's most impressive is he is starting to go away from that the Aussie you know rollout kick, and he's actually starting to do a little more of a traditional punt, and he's starting to kick it, hit it a little bit hard, further and get it a little bit higher in the air. He's still hitting a little end-over-end, but it's working, and he's netting. I don't think they had a return yesterday at all. He pinned one ball that checked up perfectly at the 7, rolled to the 5. He had another one inside the 20 that rolled around to the 15 or 10-yard line. Like His ability to flip the field and his ability to improve as the season has gone on can't be understated and can't be you know left out of any conversation about what Oklahoma State was able to do yesterday because they forced TC, he forced TCU into some bad field position the whole game. Yeah, the fact that he's not on the watch list still bothers me. Like... He's been he's had one bad punt all season and he's been a weapon for this team. Like absolutely. Yeah. And I so I'll be here. I'm going to go in and look cuz I'm curious. I think I wonder how much of what we see with the Ray Guy award has to do with average yards per kick. Cuz you feel like the, and that's the, just the, like that, which is which okay. which yeah, like you feel like it's probably the dude that's got the 45 or 50 yard average. Hutton's right around 38 or 40, but he's netting 38 or 40, just like Kip Smith talked about. And I think he, he had a 50, and that one that he pinned inside the five was a 50 yarder, and it was every bit of those 50 yards. It wasn't like a 30 yarder that got a, you got a good roll on. Like he well, he hit it. We can talk about the one from the uh, the one from the end zone when they yeah. had to kick it out of his own end zone. It was about a 50 yarder. Yeah, and because it was. If you add, I think it ended like I think it was caught at the OSU like forty-eight. But remember, he was halfway in the end zone. Yeah, but that was a fifty-yard punt. Yeah, for him, and I I punted a little bit in high school, so I like I kind of know just enough about it. When you're in your end zone, that's a nightmare scenario because you have no time. It's a shorter snap, so there's obviously it's an easier time for the for the special teams and the guys that are coming after you to get there. And so he one-stepped that thing 45 yards. That's awesome. Like that That's stuff impressive. you'd love to see. He's been impressive. Yes. Do you have any final thoughts here, Phil? That was what I had. Uh, overall or just on the game? Uh, in general. Uh, yeah, we got a few thoughts we need to talk about. Hey, <clears throat> um, let's give some shout-outs because it, the, the football team isn't the only one who's been impressing this weekend. Obviously, the, uh, the women's soccer team on Thursday – Got the uh, won the Big Twelve uh, regular season, yeah. Second time in three years. That's the seventh overall title for Oklahoma State between regular season or tournament titles for the Cowgirls. So props, props to them, and they they made it look pretty easy against Baylor that that three nil win. Um, they are actually as we are speaking, they are playing uh, OU in Bedlam round three in the first round of the Big Twelve tournament. Uh, if they get past this, they'll face the winner of Kansas, West Virginia. I believe on Friday, and then the championship game is next Sunday. It's weird. You play today, and you're off till Friday, and then Sunday. It's very weird. Quick turnaround. Anyways, um, so props to them. That was that was awesome. I thought it was I thought it was great to to get that Big Twelve title. Uh, speaking of titles, props to the women's cross country team who won the big women's Big Twelve title uh, on Saturday. I believe is that correct? Yeah, they won. Yeah, it was Saturday morning. They we found out that they won. They got a shout out on the the jumbotron at the game. Uh, just got past. I think they beat Texas by like two points. Uh, the men's team also were competing in the Big Twelve title. They came in second place behind Iowa State. I think they've won like three in a row now. Um, OSU cross men's cross country. OSU cross country. We talked about this. OSU's like other sports 
outside of football and basketball, have become really good, consistent programs yes. in the Big 12 that win or are competing to win on a regular basis. And I don't – it's, again, I know it's all about football and football's king and men's basketball, but those are those things where people get mad at Holder, and I, I have my issues with Holder. But, man, all that other stuff – that's a lot to do with him and who he's hired and the money and the time they've invested in these programs. Like OSU athletics as an overall is really damn good. Like yeah. for, for the budget that OSU, for the athletic budget that Oklahoma State has, for the success that they continue to have across the board is really impressive. Yeah, no doubt about it. From top to bottom, the Oklahoma State Authority programs are fantastic, top-notch. And like I said, with the budget that they have, they're able to do so much with them and to see them consistently win conference titles, be able to compete for conference titles in nearly every sport is so cool to see. Um, so I guess I'll have one final thought. So I was at the ex- the basketball exhibition for the men's team on Friday. They beat Rogers State. I think it was by 15 or something like that. But they were play- he played a lot of the freshmen in there. This team, if nothing else, is going to be really fun to watch. They're athletic as hell at every position. Um, a lot of the freshmen really stepped up and played well. Keelan Boone was the first guy off the bench. The The Boone twins are going to be fun. Those guys are going to be really fun this year, especially as they continue to develop. I'm, I'm already, I'm going to tell you now, buy all the stock that you can in Hitty Rusink. If nothing else, he's going to be that fan favorite type guy, but he actually looks like a legitimate threat to be to get consistent minutes this season and be really, really talent, a talented part of the future of this program. So um, that's awesome. I'm very excited. I had um, We did a Big 12 basketball preview on my show last Wednesday, or just on Wednesday, and um, had Kyle Boone of uh, PFB and, and, and CBS Sports on the show. And we were talking about, you know, we talked about OSU. I think they're the... <clears throat> Kind of the dark horse candidate to 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 rise up this year as far as men's basketball goes, and I, I made the point that it's really important for them to make the tournament and win some games, or a game this year to set up for next year. And he made a point that his his what I thought was interesting was that it's more important for this team to come out of the gate and win early than it is to make necessarily make the tournament. That sounds weird, but the point is from a recruiting standpoint, because the signing period is in December. Yeah. To help better guarantee that the guys are trying to get the the, the Cade Cunninghams and the, the JT Thors and the rest of these kids that they want for this, this 2021 class, for this 2020 class, this, this big class for them that's really important and could be like the best one ever. If this team comes out of the gate and lays egg, that's not going to be, that's not going to bode well. It's yeah. not going to look good. If this team comes out and, and gets going and is winning and gets ranked and is being talked about, it's only going to help Boynton's case come signing day and come signing period. Like, I think it's a very valid point of this team needs to come out. We can't have a going on the road to to Charleston or Coastal Carolina or whatever it was and losing a game like that, like blowing a game on the road against a, a, a crummy team. We can't have that this season. This team absolutely needs to come out of the gate hot and play really well. The schedule sets up for them to do so. Um, Honestly, they're looking at it. You get your first few games at home. You know, you get ORU, not very good. You is is Wednesday, which is very exciting. The season literally starts on Wednesday. You get Kansas, you know, UMKC. You go to Charleston. Uh, you get Yale, Western Michigan. That's a five-game stretch. You should start five and zero. There's no reason this team shouldn't start five and zero. You go to NIT t- season tip-off for Syracuse, either Penn State or Ole Miss. Um, you go one and one there. Home games against Georgetown and Wichita State. <clears throat> like, this team needs to go through the non-conference and come out. Be, and, and let's not talk about the AM game because it's so much later. You play 12 of your 13 non-conference games. They really need to try and go 10 and 2, 11 and 1. Like, 9 and 3 ain't going to cut it. 8 and 4 is not going to cut it. This team needs to come out and be hot and win. If they do, it's just one more reason <clears throat> with all the young guys for this massive class that they want to go ahead and sign. Yeah, so just I just as we're talking about this, and Oklahoma State needing to be ranked, I do think this is interesting that the uh, the basketball power index on ESPN has the rankings, has Oklahoma State number 29 going into this season, with the mm-hmm. season starting on Wednesday against Oral Roberts. So I think that's at least setting up for Oklahoma State to at least be in that conversation as non-conference play goes. And I said, I think a lot of the first few games, which are winnable, is, a, is going to be finding out the rotation beyond the starters and which freshmen can you trust to go out there and play 
15 plus minutes a game. And I think there are guys on this team that can do that and do that effectively. But it's just a matter of finding who it is and then locking in that rotation and then finding your role guys after that. So we're going to see a lot of different guys. We're going to see a lot of rotations, a lot of experimenting the first couple games. But I still think it's still it's going to lead to Oklahoma State wins. I don't think it's going to be an issue in that regard. I'm excited. I'm I'm really excited. Um, I can't wait. I'm trying to keep my like excitement down and in, in level, but I'm having a really hard time. I'm yeah, like I, I, I'm I'm pumped for Wednesday. Watch the team in the game that matters. Make sure you have ESPN Plus because four of the first five games are all on ESPN Plus, so you need to have that. Like seriously, four of the first five, five of the first nine. Or on ESPN Plus, get it so you have it. Look, yeah, it looks it, it looks like I'm actually gonna have to give it and finally get ESPN Plus. Dude, it, I'm I. It's so much better. It's gonna be so much better than trying to track games down on whatever Fox Sports College channel they buried it on. That's fair. For a game against Western Michigan that I, I want to watch, I don't want to deal with that. Like I, I don't, because I remember I'd be in my apartment at Little Rock and I'd go to the gym to try and find the channel, and if I didn't find it, I was like, well, I guess I'll just find it on the radio and listen to it while I work out. Like, it's not gonna be hard to find now. It's right there, right there. Just it, you're paying for convenience. Like I get too many things to pay for, but you're paying for convenience. We'll see if the quality's there. My guess is it, it will be or it will get there. But man, you're paying for convenience and ease. I'll take it. Yeah. So it'll be. So it's it's basketball season. It's exciting. I've had to temper my expectations this season because I think this team is going to be really good. But I also don't want to get my hopes up too far because Oklahoma State finds ways to just rip your hearts out when you you get too excited about things. Because we just can't have nice things. It's just how it is. It's less to do with getting overly excited this year and more to do with they need to be good. Yes, exactly. That's that's what they need to be good this year. And there's obviously opportunities to grow, and and growth is going to happen. you got a lot of young guys. The team is going to get better as the season goes on. But they need to come out good. They cannot drop games on the road at Charleston like they've done in the past. Like they, this is a five and zero start yes. right here. ORU, UMKC, Charleston, Yale, Western Michigan. The Yale game will be tricky on the road at Charleston. That could be tricky. It's a it's a Wednesday night, but that's a five and zero start. And then. We'll just see what happens from there. Because after that 5-0 start, it's Syracuse, Penn State, or Ole Miss, Georgetown, Wichita State, at Houston, Minnesota, and Tulsa. Yeah. It's a six-game six stretch that's not, like, brutal, but it's not easy. Yeah. So they gotta they got to come out hot. They really do. No doubt about it. That's all I got for this one. Philip, where can everyone follow you on Twitter? Uh, you can follow me personally at OKTXARPOKE. Uh, you can follow my show. On Twitter at ten the number twelve of podcast, uh, there's a tweet pinned at the top. If you want to click it, you can get yourself signed up for ESPN Plus. I would appreciate if you used that link. Just being blunt. Also, just go check out the show. Like I said, we had a uh, men's basketball preview on last Wednesday that I thought was pretty good. We had a, had a lot of fun talking about a lot of teams, including there's no reason Texas should be number four in the preseason poll whatsoever. I don't care what their talent is. Shaka Start Smart is still their head coach, and yep, um, yeah, and uh, obviously we'll. We'll talk some OSU on our, our Monday episode. And follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. And we will be back midweek. We, it's going to be obviously an off week. We're going to try and talk a little bit of basketball. And we have a fun episode hopefully planned for you later in the week. So we should have two episodes up still for you. And we'll talk to you all then.